And welcome to the Music Challenge Podcast. My name is Andrew, and I want to introduce you to my compadres. Kevin, how are you doing? I'm excellent. How are you doing, Rob? You know what? I'm doing pretty whoa, good. Whoa, whoa. How are you and doing, Jeff? Rob? I'm doing pretty good, man. Yeah. yeah. I'm doing great. Yeah, right just on. chilling. Like, Thanksgiving's over. We're hanging out, ready to... Anyone uh, been listening to anything cool? Um, what well, going? I gotta do my like. So I am now factually binging Lost in Space. Oh, I actually found all three seasons on uh, wow on the impressive. Roku service. Nice, nice. No kidding. First and season's in black and white. We, I actually do have. What? We have, we've we've binged we've binged a couple things too. We should do this as a binge sesh because like that seems like what everyone is doing these days. Sure. We watched uh, The Boys straight through, which is fantastic. It's it's an old graphic novel. It's like, if oh, I've uh, heard of that, it's so great. If uh, if like like real life, if superheroes existed, and like the capitalist sort of like venture oh. that it creates around them, and like so it, like the original Watchmen kind of a deal, sort of. But it's like it's okay. different. It's like it's very very like. You know, like there's one company that like has basically conglomerated all of the superheroes into a into wow. it, and so like they they control everything. Wow! I didn't mean for it to get into this thing, Drew. Let's get back to Lost in Space. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Quick rotation around. That I'm sounds sorry. interesting, though. I just realized I cut you off completely and want to get back. To uh, no, I was just having a drink. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, um, <laughs> we need those. Space. Are you watching the like the old, tradi- the old one, or like the new? Uh, you know, I didn't Same. even know there was a new one until Saturday. Oh, okay. oh there uh, is a new one. Yeah, there's like a re-vamped uh, version. You know, of like I have, modern version. I've been. I've like wanted that, to watch it for like a few years, but I haven't seen it. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be like cool as opposed to the other one, which is one of the campiest things that's ever been. Oh, yeah, with like the robot with like the squiggly yeah. arms and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I swear yeah. that was a drier thing. Everything is HVAC, oh, HVAC yeah, they tin. Are. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing just is, it's the dumbest thing you ever heard. It's like, why would you even build this? Uh, I, I mean, why, watching Lost the, in Space, like, you know, on Saturday mornings, like weird. It was such a weird the thing. Is is a it, big it, CBS budget show. I mean, right. prime time. Like, man, here's our futuristic new color science fiction show. And like space, space show it. Picked was, it on a soundstage. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but like, it has like real ass. Like, I mean, I'm surprised how well they're done. Like space scenes. You know, it doesn't look like people being held by harnesses, even though I'm pretty right. sure it is. You know, well, I and they probably tell. they probably had a real ass orchestra making music for that. Thing, exactly, right? the CBS right. orchestra. So, yeah, Good which Lord. is pretty neat, right? Yeah, it was. It was you know, it's interesting. All enough, comes back anyway. to music, right? Yes, Absolutely. the the sound the soundtrack for Lost in Space is just amazing. Um. So, in any case, well, we're just going to talk about the soundtrack. To Lost so Space. What's our That's what our episode is all Actually, about. Actually, what we're going to do now. <laughs> That's not what we're. Let me remind. About. Yeah, let me remind everyone of uh, what our social media 
uh, type shit is. You'll want to email us at woo, music challenge pod. At blowing Gina. us up already. Yeah, somebody oh my just God, dropped somebody. us a line. Okay, I want to read this out loud. Andrew, you are so hot. <laughs> um, hey, baby. Uh-huh. Um, in case, let me just, uh, email is musicchallengepod, uh, spell like it sounds, musicchallengepod at gmail.com. Musicchallengepod at gmail.com. And you want to check out uh, a lot of our posts or whatever, uh, you can go to our Facebook page, just search Music Challenge Podcast, whatever, it'll pop up and share a lot of music music news on there the occasional new episode announcement but uh definitely nothing political so don't don't bother looking or posting to me so uh silly meme perhaps yeah tell us what you want to hear tell us what you want us to talk about yeah drop us drop us like what you're listening to if there's anything new that you're into like I dig on new music, which is absolutely. Fun. And drop us your formative four podcast, stuff. or the formative, yeah, or like formative four stuff, formative five, like yeah. We well, think we might be moving on with all topics, meaning full speed ahead. So uh, we'll get back into that, but in, in, in you know, in a point in time, that's a production meeting on the air. We shouldn't have done that, but. Uh, <laughs> um, so, in case, so uh, what albums are we talking about tonight? Anyone want to tell everyone? So, yeah, I'll tell them. Um, we are talking about great albums from our birth years. Hell so, yeah. my 1973, um, as well as Kevin's in 1973. Jed, you're 70. 1980. 1980, my gosh. 7010. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> number. That number. And then Her and then Drew, 11. Drew is like nine, Drew's like Drew's 1952. So yeah. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Yeah, my first car was a 55 Chevy. <laughs> Drew, your birth year 71. Yeah. Yeah, yes. so yeah. we're going to talk about great albums from those three years, and there's a ton of them, but we'll talk about four of them. And which groups are we talking about? <laughs> I'm I'm talking about Steely Dan, Countdown to Ecstasy. Excellent. And I'm going to talk about Future Days by Can. All right, I'll talk about L.A. Woman by The Doors. Excellent. And Jad? I, I am featuring Ace of Spades by Motorhead. Hell yeah. All right, there you got it. So, uh, actually, Jed, uh, why don't I punt it to you first? Yeah, and, we're kicking this uh, off, right? Uh, that's yep. right. That's right. All right. So, uh, take it away, man. Oh, man, I don't really know too much, like, what to say about this other than, like, it's just kind of a, a nonstop, like, rocket ship that just, like, pummels you over and over again as you, like... It is an assault. Forward. It's an assault. Like it's a, it's a great, (laughs) and I, I sort of fell into Motorhead when I was like figuring out uh, punk music and, you know, like listening to a lot of stuff there, but, uh, and that's like, that's kind of how I've always read it as like, I know there's always, they, they always have this kind of dichotomy of like, or appreciation between like heavy metal people and punk people. Right. And I know like Kevin, you're a heavy metal you were a heavy, you were have a heavy we, metal. Have person. we done anyone like that before? 
Well, fucking, we talked about suicidal, earth. We talked suicidal about tendencies. Absolutely. Yeah, suicide. Yeah, and that like Earthless yeah, it's like very. Sabbath. Yeah. Yes. There's some crossover. Yeah, I definitely think there's some. Uh, yeah. I think it's a, a British. Uh, but when we're talking about crossover Sabbath. between three, you know, heavy metal and punk. That's exactly where we fall, right there. Oh, right, totally. And is it yeah. is it yeah, like, very hardcore, everything. hardcore like punk based for me? Like that's how I read it. It sounds a little. It, it sounds different in the ear, but like if you break yes. it down, you're listening to like what they're doing. Like it's right. It is very. I actually think it sounds pretty punk, punk too. It, oh yeah, that's it, I, it does. That, I've it always does. thought that, yeah. and. uh and yeah, I, I discovered it kind of, you know, like obviously way late from when they were probably at their peak. But uh, this album always was a terrific one from like, it just, it's nonstop. And uh, absolutely. And I mean, come on, Ace of Spades, give me a break. That yeah, song is did like, anyone, any of you guys used to watch The Young Ones? It was on, oh, yeah. M- on MTV, you know, oh, yeah. BBC so originally. I didn't watch it as much, but... Um, well, there, there, wasn't, there wasn't too many episodes. However, Motorhead played Ace of Spades on one of them. So this album, it, it's funny. Um, I actually, eh, it depends if it's still sitting in my parents' closet, but if it is, I still, I, I bought this album on vinyl um, when I was a young metalhead. Wow. Um, this, and I think I had the 1986 album Orgasmatron by Motorhead as well. Uh, and you somehow come across <laughs> yeah. that, and I know you're not a vinyl guy. I'll buy that. <laughs> from you, so yeah, to me, the the two songs on this album, like first of all, just going back a little bit, the things that people just I want to point out about Lemmy is that first of all, he was a roadie for Jim. Is Lemmy? Okay. Oh, that's right. He was. Let me kill Mister is the lead singer of Motorhead. And Motorhead originated when Lemmy, um, who was a member of Hawkwind, correct, with, with Nick Turner, Lemmy got busted at the Canadian border smuggling drugs across, and right. Nick Turner just fired him. And so Lemmy started Motorhead with a couple other dudes, and. I, the thing like-minded about dudes, yeah. Like-minded dudes, and uh, when Lemmy was working for Jimi Hendrix, he'd already done a lot of acid by the by that time, and he said it opened his mind up. Um, and I agree. But he also, when he was a young man, he watched his the love of his life die of heroin. Um, yeah, and so the thing about Lemmy, the thing about this music, when you really break it down, I mean, it's it's incredible. It's really simple rock and roll fueled totally. by amphetamines, basically. Yes. Like he, <laughs> what it seems like. It's speed it freak sounds music. like speed. Yeah, Lemmy was a speed freak who drank Jack and Cokes. I right. mean, and he was like the guy that I was too scared as a young metalhead, like 
the people that would have taken me to concerts that would have had to drive me were like, eh, Motorhead's where I draw the line. I don't <laughs> we want don't to get beat up. That ain't happening. That, that crowd was just a little too kid. rough. Right. Like that, I, I couldn't find someone to bring me to a Motorhead show. I saw Judas Priest. I saw, like, I saw Ozzy. I saw, like, I, you know, I saw Metallica. And there would be no Metallica without Motorhead. But Motorhead right. was the OG, like, speed freak, like, yep gnarly kind of ugly metal band that was yes. fueled by speed and Not like pretty. Andrew mentioned yeah. the intersection of punk it's fast it's raw it's really basic I mean Lemmy called it a rock and roll band and in that way like there's punk and there's grunge and you know sure. there's a, like all of those metal bands owe a lot of what they did to this I, guy I, I know <laughs> I know Cobain has referenced Motorhead on multiple occasions too. I mean, these are, and that's, that, I think that's what Kevin's getting at is like, it, it, it was some formative stuff and, and, uh, you know, we wouldn't have some stuff if it wasn't for him. Lemmy was a freaking character, man. Like, I, in, yeah. Like Kevin said, they were not like, yeah, he lived his own looking. life. Yes, he yeah. did. Yeah, that's I mean, the whole point about Lemmy is he didn't give a shit about no. I yeah, mean, everything, no. everything about him Zero and that band are like given. completely unapologetic. Like we are right. going to do this. We don't give a fuck what you well, think it, about it. Pretty much, yeah. it's how you imagine living your best life, isn't it? Just like, hey, totally. I'm going to do this, and I really don't care what anyone thinks. Talking yeah. about living yeah. like twenty a albums. <laughs> yeah, forty totally. years, dude. Forty years of the Motorhead formula coming right at you. Right. So he was, yeah, he was an incredibly influential musician. I mean, the like all these bands, like I said, they owe their roots to him. And the like the other song I got to point out on this album that can't go without mention is We Are the Road Crew. And that song is a monster. It really is. It yeah. anchors that second half of that album. And it's just, it's brilliant. Um, that song is, is just pure motor right there. I think it's the song I really liked on there. However, I can't find a track list right now. But I mean, Sixth. it seemed to have some sort of choral to choral uh, type of place to it. Sorry, well, and can't place it. Can't find a fucking track list. So, go ahead now. Well, but Lemmy was a complicated guy. You know, he collected Nazi memorabilia for yes, time. he so, did. You know, he? and he took some shit for it, rightfully so, I guess, in retrospect. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind you of know, back in the uh, in the nineties. But yeah, like. I mean, it, it depends was, what um, he was in it for, I guess. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is that he was like just kind of like trying to say he was just collecting it and and wasn't like a fan of it or anything like that. He was just collecting like war memorabilia. But 
I think he was, like I said, um, you know, kind of a controversial guy that, you know, that I think echoing what you guys had said, just kind of lived the life his by his own rules in his own way. And uh, like a rock star, you know, totally. fast and yes. hard and like the music, right? Like right. some of the songs I had to, you know, as a father of a daughter, I had to fast forward through jail bait. Like there's a lot of cringe when you, when yeah. you listen to the it. The taste is better than the catch. That's a, yeah. that's a high yeah. class one. Yeah. Um, a couple of those are, there are, there are some cringeworthy stuff on here. And I think if, you know, if you like this though, the real, uh, the real chestnut of an album to like, this should be a springboard to is no remorse, which is kind of a live greatest hits you know, best of full compilation thing. And and that to me would be the next logical point to go after this. But this is a great starting point, John. Thank you. Yeah. Amazing. Love yeah. it. Thanks. Yeah. It's like, it had been a little while, but it was fun to like dive back in, explore a little again. Um, yeah. Everyone out there, go do some uh, homework on Lemmy. Pretty amazing rock and roller to the sure. tr- truest sense of the term. But like Kevin, we're passing it to you, right? Right on. Yeah. And what are you featuring tonight? So I'm featuring an album for my birth year. And, you know, sticking with the name of this podcast, I challenged myself musically um, to listen Good to job, Future Days Kevin. by Can, right? Um, because 1973, you know, as I'm sure uh, Rob found out, was full of easy and great choices, right? Without you know, question. And talk about Dark Side of the Moon or right. Houses of the Holy or right. even Inner Visions, which is what I was kicking around as my other oh, choice. Oh, absolutely. And Marvin the- Gaye released a record in 73, did he not? Hello. I think so. I mean, it was, you know, it was a rich and bountiful year um, of releases. And so what, what made this one pop out to me was the fact that a lot of bands that I listened to and like seemingly were influenced by this group. And and you can hear it. Right. And so I guess some of the bands that, that I think of um, that, that kind of come to mind are a lot of that like early nineties kind of indie-ish thing with like Sonic Youth and Yola Tango and Pavement and, and bands like that. Sure. Um, for whatever reason, like I think this was the band that kind of opened the minds to all of that stuff. And, you know, so 1973, you know, there was a lot of prog rock. You have to think about bands like Yes and yes. Rush, you know, I context got yes out of the it. time, right? So, I, got, I got some yes out of it. Yes, I did. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I can definitely draw. I, I definitely drew, like, listen to it kind of in that, like, almost uncomfortable prog rock right. <laughs> scenario. It's without any time. pomp and circumstance. That's the right. thing yeah. about this this album that made it so different is the lack of structure and that lack of pop and circumstance. But to me, the the thing that, that really stuck out to me um, upon multiple listens was was the drumming and unbelievable felt dude. like a hi-hat clinic to me um like throughout all of these jams and i think that what was different about the way that they made this album and um at least a little bit that i read about this and i don't know a ton about this band to be honest with you like i said it was one of those albums that was hugely influential later later on and it was you know on the list of of really really 
popular and important albums released this year. So I felt like it right. was a great mix and challenging me musically. Um, the, the techniques used were, you know, like taping the, the jam sessions together, basically. And, right. You know, the highlight yes, of the, they were. Right. And so yeah. and that's the bass player. What's that? Would the splice bass player, these tapes? Is that the case? Yeah, the bass player was kind of the the artist of this whole thing that that kind of worked all these pieces together. Got you. Created these um, these little suites of music that you know when you get by. I think this album should only be experienced on headphones. Um, I think the atmospheric qualities of it will it was so a- much gets lost. It was very, it was a game, it was a game changer for me. Like I listened to it once in the car for, for a little while. I was taking a short trip and I started it and I was like, oh, I can't even get into this right now. Right. And then I, I still had it on, we were, we were like, we were, I was dropping like garbage off on our trip this weekend and I get back, we're load, (laughs) we're loading up the car and like, I turn the car around, like everyone's loaded up. And it, and it comes back on and it's fucking blasting. And like, <laughs> Anne turns to me and she's like, what the fuck is this? That's funny. I was like, yeah, it's an assignment. Like, I I don't know anything about this bad, but it's kind of actually really cool and weird. <laughs> I think but, yeah, I was kind of blown away at like all of the, it sounds like chaos a little bit here and there. And then you realize that like, right as we were talking about the prog rock kind of connection, it is without that pomp and circumstance. And I think without the like writing every note down and having like control or any of them. everything or any of them. Cause it's, right. I mean, it's straight, it's a straight, it's straight up jams. Right. I mean like most of it feels well, a lot of how, if you can, you let me expand a second on crowd rock in its own right. Please. Um, so there was a, there were a decent amount of communes in Germany in the in the late sixties, and these were and some of them were based on youth who were rejecting Nazi ideologies, which still existed in Germany. All you know, yeah, there was plenty of Nazis who, who just sank back into the German society, sure. and and you know the government, it's you know you can't change a government overnight, and you know. Uh, so there was still kind of these ideologies living within uh, institutions sure. any case. And so there's, you know, kind of a counterculture in Germany, you know, who are rejecting all of this and the, and, you know, they were rejecting all of the worshiping of Nazi sites there, whatever. But um, there's another real popular crowd rock band called a Duel, and the way okay. the a two actually, and the way they kind of came about is like these were jams of people in the commune just bringing their shit down to the tent you know or whatever or like you know it it wasn't necessarily a band the commune was a band and okay and so so, by like committee or something community i guess um and i kind of get that uh i mean to make a very psychedelic freaking sound obviously and and I feel that all over can is kind of yeah. where I'm at with that. So, um, yeah, the like these were full on hippies, right? Like yeah. the long haired yeah. freaks. Um, yes. And I think the thing that um, emulating, right? And to me, what I read it was that you know they had this kind of trio of albums from seventy one, seventy two, seventy three, 
And this was the third of them. And this one, I think, was the most far out of the three. Um, and the one that the uh, the singer, Damo Suzuki, um, he was part of these three albums and he was less featured in this one because this is mostly instrumental. There's okay. very few vocals on this one. Right. Yeah. And I was originally introduced to this band um, through a cover of the previous album. I think Steve Malkmus, the, the lead singer of Pavement, right. um, put together a band and covered their previous album. And I'd listened to it once. Um, and it like, it, it's out there. That's the thing. It's, it's not really intentionally accessible music, but I think with headphones, like it's I think the third song was, I think well, Moonshaker. I think that one is that one sounded that, radio ready to me. song like, yeah, a, like yeah. departure um, it was like a four minute like song yeah yeah if that um short and yeah it's got short but know. intense good good mm-hmm. song so yeah the uh the drum work on this album is amazing and it was uh it's like a fun meditative listen um just the the the, the rhythm um the the drumming is is just compelling I was blown away by how modern it sounded. I mean, I was, I kept like th- saying to myself, I can't believe this is 1973, you know, the, and the yeah, synthesizer it, use was like, uh, I don't, it just reminded me of so many different things. When I first heard it, it reminded you, are you guys familiar with a band called air? Yeah. From mm-hmm. France. Yeah. 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 It reminded me I'm from it, France. It Go reminded ahead. me a, a, a bit of them. But then, of course, like all the common players, New Wave and in through Radiohead, for Christ's sakes. I mean, it's all, and there's no way those bands weren't influenced by this, at least the sound. Yeah, right? Like, this is, this is like the OG, uh, like, kind of indie rock. If you sure. Know. Like, for, you know, even Zappa, like, if you Zappa's think about, an influence of these guys, yeah, for sure. Like even Zappa though, Zappa has a lot more structure going on sure. in his music. This is this is kind of further out there and a little less. Um, it's further out there for sure, but there's tons ever, of Zappa uh, without structure. Kevin, are you familiar with the books? Uh, Do you the know books? The, no, the books. It they were. Uh, I saw them like I guess it was probably like early aughts, maybe a one o two like tiny room maybe it might have been at like spy bar or something like that and it's like these people are playing set you know it's i think it's two pe- two folks that are playing i didn't even think about it until right now but it like has so much relationship to this like i'm sure they were just like <clears throat> diving headfirst into can okay um, but yeah it's wild like they're playing keyboards and like like recordings on like little walkmans and like rewinding and like there's like all sorts of layering and like i 
it's been... kind of amazing how little, like, at one point in time, I'm listening, and it's probably about 15, 16 minutes into Bel Air, and there's a raging guitar solo going on. There it's is. like the fifth loudest there thing in is. the mix. There's yeah. drums and keyboard and bass that are so much louder, and it's like, and there are these crescendos where you think it's going to go one way and it goes completely the opposite, just in a way that you think about, it just kind of blows your mind. And if an album that sounded exactly like this were released today, nobody would think twice of it. Not at all. Because that album was released, could music like this even exist today? Right. I think it's that important. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Bel Air for me was when it, I, I took the dog for a walk and would like put the headphones on and listen through. And like there are ups and downs. I find future days to be like a little bit like, yeah, I got to work through this. But by the time I'm in sure. Bel Air, yeah. like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just buzzing through and then like the, the record's starting over again because you're like, you Bel-Air hit at the right moment great. and it just sort of, it there's a flow to it in like all of the chaotic craziness of it. Four different pieces. Yeah, it's four. Together, right? And, I kind of dug them all, to tell you right? the truth. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's I, four. I, I mean, I for me, it was like a perfect walk. I just kind of timed my walk to take exactly. Yeah, it was a perfect minutes. walk. Right? These were all, right? all of our albums were almost exactly the same length. So yeah. even, I think even Motorhead might have came in at long at 49 minutes, yeah. which surprised the hell out of me. I thought that album was going to be about 25 minutes long. <laughs> yeah. So that's about how much time I set out for it. Was that when we did Suicidal Tendencies? Wasn't that the case? Yeah. It was like, well, like I was like, I didn't know you could release a 29 minute album. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I didn't. I was actually su- surprised at the length of that too. Well, yeah, this um, was a great pick. I was stoked to like, be exposed to this because i have never heard of these guys before nor have i i was blown away yeah i appreciate you advocating hard for this andrew i uh like i oh, said i was no tossed i was tossed up between this and intervisions because i think that's also an incredibly influential oh yeah but uh maybe we'll figure out a reason to talk about that some other time <laughs> wouldn't be sure <laughs> no i think i think that's what we're up to here so all right well why don't we uh take a break here on the music challenge podcast uh kevin what would you like to well she's there's four albums on the thing we've already mentioned one song uh what would you like to go out on probably uh go with moonshake the third track there we go yeah that's good no actually we already uh mentioned moonshake can we can we try another one or how about how about spray I'm sorry, uh, Spray. That The second track, That's uh, right. I really like the drums in that one. Yeah. All right. Spray. We will go with Spray on the way out by Can, and uh, we'll check you out after the break on the Music Challenge podcast. See you later, guys. See you in a bit, guys. Bye. And check out soon. Bye.
Remember, everyone, we want you to submit your formative four. Tell us the musical seeds that set you on your path, and we might review one of your albums right here on the air. You can get on our blog at musicchallenge.fireside.fm or email us at musicchallengepod at gmail.com. Also, you can slip into our DMs at musicchallengepod on Instagram. Come as close to four as you can, but if you need more or less, that's all right, too. Remember, musicchallengepod at gmail.com, and you can hear us discuss one of your albums. Welcome back to the Music Challenge Podcast. My name is Andrew, and I'm here with Kevin, Jed, and Rob. Hey, guys. Hello. Hello. What's up? And we're here to check out, we're doing uh, albums of our birth year uh, this week. And uh, I was born in 1971. So, yeah, I chose, uh, which, you know, was not the number one chart-busting album. thing out there was uh the doors la woman which was the uh sixth and last album with jim morrison uh from the doors so and that's interesting you say that because that was a i didn't know that i didn't realize it's the yeah. last album with morrison but anyways yeah yeah i think he died not too long afterwards got it um but uh I don't know. I cho- I just chose this album because, uh, you know, frankly, the Partridge family was number seven uh, <laughs> in the year that I was born. So it was a really transitional, weird, strange time. The Doors number um, nine. <laughs> uh, doors were like 17 or something like that. Oh, I thought they got uh, No, no, there was, you know, whatever. Uh, there was like Engelbert Humperdinck was above him, above them, oh. whatever. I mean, you got to understand. Neil when pop music was just like that. Right. right. It was Engelbert Humberdink, Neil Sedaka, these dudes in tuxedos, crooners, and uh, Tom Jones. Um, What's new, pussy cat? Whoa, 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 whoa. All right. Um, <laughs> the hell was I talking about? So you were talking crooners. about the crooners. <laughs> No, we were yeah. done talking about the crooners. No, yeah. In any case, uh, sure. so I think this this album is this album is interesting for a few reasons. It's it's pretty it's way bluesy for Absolutely. a uh, so it's a blues album, like <laughs> quite a bit of it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and a lot of that is a vehicle for Jim Morrison's voice. Oh, know? totally. I mean, and on the third track. Um, been down so long like which yep. is just where where it really starts heavy blues obviously his voice yeah. is just ridiculous i mean it's crazy right. it's pretty strong yeah, it's, it's pretty strong it's amazing for sure there's also in that song uh been down so long uh, a lot of good slide guitar work which i was uh, it's it's interesting because that's not something you're used to hearing you know what i'm saying not from Robbie right. Krieger, no. Right. 
Right, but you know, ba- there it was. And back to what we came in with. Do we do we mention this? The changeling, the keys in yeah. that damn song. Jesus Christ! Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. That's why that's why we're coming in with it because like Ray Rayman's there is crazy organ going on. But I mean, I even wrote down for you know Lover Madly that like you know the organ was sounded like yes to me for for God's sake. So I mean, you had this total fucking circus effect going right. on when, oh, yeah. has, when they're really really hitting their stride totally. and i but you know yes have been out for a couple of years at that point so um i have no idea if there's a cross it's wild didn't they get like, like didn't their producer or someone like fire them over loving madly like calling it uh a sellout i don't like song. yeah it was like you know some sort of silly silly elevator music right. or something like well, but it's, like, I have no but idea. But he always, I don't know. Those are, I mean, he, those are the, I'm sorry. Those classics, those classics are the ones that I was like, all right, I know this song. Let's get through like the stuff that you hear like every day on XRT to like. The thing is, I don't listen to XRT. So I like, don't either. I, I, and try, that's I try was, and I try and listen delight. to the songs like I've never heard them before. You know, and that's, I mean? yeah, that's, and that's how I, I really felt like I was listening to it for the first time. And like, I I wasn't, you know, like I I had a Doors phase, and uh, sure. but it didn't stick really. And so, like getting to listen to it this time, like kind of blew my mind. It was like, yeah, it's a great record. Yeah, yeah, and it's, that, that it's pretty good record. Record. Yeah, I I would say so. I I don't I don't I'm not I'm not Mr. Doors, so I couldn't I, tell you. No, yeah, that's the, that's how I feel about it. Like, but it's I got goddamn writers. Like, really, yeah, storm, that really Rob, great. That's Riders on the Storm that's is freaking incredible. That's the out to me. I mean, that's just Raymond Zarek going the fuck off. Um, right. I mean, yes. it's just, it's perfect. That to me is my favorite song on the album. Um, LA woman's a good song. Um, uh, which, which song? Riders, Riders on the, the Storm song. is probably my favorite. Oh yeah. yeah. Know, LA woman. Um, you know, um, I'm kind of eh, on Jim Morrison, to be honest with you. I have Val Kilmer to thank sure. for that, you know, um, right. And I think <laughs> yeah. the three of us are I like Val the Kilmer, where, though. you know, um, the Doors was jammed right down our throats with Prejudice and it as the totally. psychedelic band uh, to the point where I I think... Yeah, psychedelic? Well, you know, the end that. and all that Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, for sure. I mean... And Riders on the Storm. to what else I was listening well, to. No, and that's the thing is um, I probably, like in high school, that was kind of like... To me, that was the psychedelic band in high school, you know? Um when yeah. I think once you get out of your hometown and kind of open up your musical horizons, you realize there's other music outside of the doors and you graduate from that pretty totally. quickly. Um, but yeah. I can still appreciate this for the work that it was. And there's some really good music on this album. You know, there really is. I, like I said, for sure. Um, writers. Was, yeah. and it, opposed to what I just said, 
I did not find advice very psychedelic then compared to everything else I was listening to. However, when I said I listened to it like I listened to it for the first time, I did find a lot of psychedelia, even in Lover Madly. I mean, almost a, a regurgitated 60s psychedelia. Um, I say regurgitated because it's 1971 and things were, the landscape was kind of shifting a little bit towards the singer-songwriter. Right. Back to that uh, crooner thing, right? <laughs> right, right. The crooners uh back to that type of thing and you know part of it was because like the groups of the 60s were changing too i mean the grateful dead did a i mean that 60s band was dead by 1971 and gratefully dead if you don't know. <laughs> and uh i know i know i know i know i'll be playing here all week but uh in any case, um, I mean, I get. I think um, the best piece of spoken word on here for me, if I have one, was, uh, um, and this was an album that I went through college with, uh, of all the Doors albums. Um, this is my favorite song, but it's favorite, you know, Jim Morrison vehicle is The Wasp. Texas radio and the big beat. Right. Uh, it's kind of strong, commanding, and uh, tribal. Tribal. I love the uh, phrase "stone immaculate." Right. Uh, you know, I spent many a late night hanging hanging out to that. But I think really bearing the lead is uh, "L.A. Woman," which, frankly, Amazing. is how I like my doors. Sure. You could tell they knew it was going to be a number one hit. They got, you know, full full staff of studio, studio musicians. And because uh, there is no bass player in the doors, right. but there is a bass player on this album. And especially on Riders in the Storm, where, you know, <laughs> they sound like they're keeping it together more than, uh, well, they're earning the salary is what I'm saying. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> it's like keeping the doors on keeping it rained in <laughs> yeah yeah keep putting the I lasso mean, around the rest of them I, I cer- i'm certainly had a studio musician came in and was just kind of like all right boys hold together right <laughs> um so 
uh, you know, and Kruger has a number of parts. Krieger has a number of parts that where it <laughs> as, kind of flies a little bit. As opposed, Kruger, as opposed to Freddy Krueger, yeah. <laughs> Robbie yeah. Krueger, Freddy Krueger with those long it's ass an arms. Amazing song. It that really would be is. fingernails. It's an amazing, like amazing song. It really is. It really is. Um, and then of course, oh, you got got to mention the Morrison lyrics, which are yabba dabba 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 dabba. Those aren't quite enunciated as well as you'd like. But, but I'm quite yeah, sure what but, to say. But yeah, <laughs> but Rayman's Eric, man, again, just like I mean, he's in full command. I, mean, I feel like maybe this is a Rayman's Eric album in a way. Uh, because I mean, he's just in full command of the entire song. This is a big song. I mean, this is you know kind of. I mean, they knew it was going to be a hit. I'm sure when they you know put it down, and they wanted to get it just fucking right, and I think they did, uh, unbelievably. Um, because by the sixth and last album, I'm kind of expecting this to be pretty rough and loose by this point. You know what I mean? Because um, you know they've been through their uh uh cycle you know yeah. six albums they're trying to get back up there right and it doesn't sound like jim morrison is quite up to the task on every single track on here uh that's just my opinion and- uh however i think he is on some tracks but on other ones he's, he's just not yeah I agree yeah uh like Alley Woman might actually be one of those tracks because, like, you know, his DB, DB, DB. I mean, it's, a lot of people can do that. <laughs> yeah, it's, I think most of the, I think most of the Doors music sounds dated. It sounds like a product of the 60s. And there's a couple songs sure. on here that actually, mm-hmm. that actually don't. Of- and I think they kind of carry over, you know, LA Woman being one of them and maybe on the storm um that you could slip them into a modern playlist and you know and still like it fits right the sound it would yeah. fit in yeah and you know i think like you said andrew like there's some you know there's some kind of probably skippable songs on this album there's some really good ones too right yeah um and it's uneven like yeah. the doors were they were an, une- an uneven band right um so right yeah yeah unpredictable not consistent, but, not totally consistent. You know, there really are some shining spots, right? The Rayman's Eric stuff is is worth it alone. The Rayman's Eric stuff is is amazing, and I even have written right here on for Riders on the Storm is like you know the instrumental instrumental part is very fucking trippy, and uh, is is that in itself is worth the song's time to listen to <laughs> yes. for sure? Um, I, yeah. You know? Because, like, I kind of closed my eyes to it and realized, oh, shit, I just closed my eyes for four minutes. And I'm like, okay, I guess that goes in the books as being worth it. Yeah. You know? Um, There were moments on here um, where they shined without Jim Morrison. And I think that that was pretty cool if you think about it, right? Yes. Sure. There's parts of it where I could have done without the Morrison. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, there's other parts where it's, it's all because of Morrison. Um, it's cool, you know. I mean, it's what they scrapped together for the sixth album. I'm not saying it's the worst album in the world. I'm not saying it's their best either, because I'm not really a Doors freak, even though I like the Doors. Like, 
I kept having like I was the uh, crawling king snake kept ringing in my ears. And I'm like, why do I? I remember like really, really enjoying that song, and it's a John Lee Hooker song. Yeah, which is like why I was like connecting it, and it was like that was that was like the gem for me when I was re-listening to this. Other than like other than Riders and the other you know sure. other few, America no, too, I enjoyed as a separate thing. I don't know. I enjoyed re-listening. Kind of sounded like Pink Floyd a little bit. Yeah, it just it was like it had this kind of cool flow to it. I think half of the doors is the like where you're listening to it or you know what experience you're in at the time because a little bit, but you like to be able to judge it aside of that. Yeah, or, oh definitely. Because um, I can't fucking grab heroin every time I want to listen to an album. No, so, as much <laughs> as I love you to. can't. Well, I can. Well, but I, I shouldn't. Oh, right. I'd be right. listening to the Velvet Underground. <laughs> <laughs> I was doing that. I think. Hell yeah! It's two point oh. Well, you got to uh, got to spread out. <laughs> so, um, in any case, I guess that's about what I got to say <laughs> about uh, the Doors. Uh, um, once again, I think "La Woman" is is the standout on the album, and uh, the Changeling is a uh, it's a great. Uh, Rayman's Eric, uh, crazy organ solo. Absolutely. I heard a little bit of yes in here, heard some spoken word. Rise on the storm, check it out. So, uh, so I'll pass it on to Rob. So, uh, my record is Steely Dan, Countdown to Ecstasy, 19, right 1973. Again, is Kevin in the year of Rob's birth, right? Um, and not not my favorite Steely Dan album, but I like it a lot. Um, and needless to say, I, what are you doing, dude? I, I don't know if that like if that sophomore slump thing is real, but this is kind of one of those proofs that it's not. This is her second record. I think it's pretty damn good. Yeah. So I think it's pretty damn good too. And and Steely Dan to me, like I don't know. I I guess I got. I, it, it caught me late um, 20s and then I realized sure. how amazing it was and then dove in but it's pretty sophisticated it, it, I mean it's not something that most people catch on the, to in high school the, yeah no not at all and, and the production of it is just so refined and beautiful this album yes so silky has that's what they that's what they're known for. those those fantastic harmonies too and it's just like odd but on key vocals almost snarky at times i just i love it I this album it. yeah this album is fantastic yeah. and what i was like what i didn't realize um i don't know i thought i was certain at the time that Michael McDonald was singing backup vocals on King of the World on this, and it turns out he's not. But the bootlegs, uh, yeah, right? that was this is, but here's that was before they didn't use him till a little a couple no, albums the later, right? Tour actually, like because okay. the no bootlegs shit. from March of '74. This album was recorded in 1973, and then they toured in '74. And Skunk Baxter okay. apparently left to join the Doobie oh. Brothers. <laughs> Um, right. <laughs> Steely Dan wasn't right. going to tour, and then like a so, Skunk Baxter bailed, and then once Dan quit touring, Michael McDonald joined the Doobie Brothers. But 
Skunk Baxter was yeah, the there guitarist are bootlegs on the album. March of '74. Well, and, one of them. Uh, Michael McDonald singing uh, background vocals. Uh, YouTube. Ooh, I have not found those. Uh, YouTube. Yeah. Um, oh, right on. March of '74. Right on. There's a really good one from uh, L.A. Maybe the record plant. I want to say. It's uh, it's about a hundred minute show that's uh, Michael McDonald singing the back of the vocals on King of the World, and that's the thing that's kind of no right. Kidding. Like it's it's in it's it's uh like it it's imprinted in my brain. This bootleg has it. It's fantastic. Um, you could probably post a link to it, Andrew. I'll I'll send it to you. But the uh, like production yeah, meeting right. on here. I'll so. do it now. Not a big deal, but the uh, so yeah, the, the album. What'd you love about it, Rob? I mean, the second half of this record is insane. From and I, I shouldn't even say the second half. From four down is just so game changing. Um, and again, listen to this one on headphones. You got to folks because it just brings that last little bit of production out that just blows me away, man. I mean, and this is their second record. So at this point, they had it sorted out, right? And it was just a, like a revolving door of studio musicians, right? Playing for for uh, Walter Becker and Donald Fagan, just like, yeah, bring this guy in. Yeah, we want they, this guy's guitar sound. On exactly. Guitar. They basically were known for bringing in motherfuckers, studio musicians in, in LA. Right. And it, it was the scene where, like, someone would come and set up all the instruments before the musician arrived. Like, okay, we're practicing in this space. Right. And, you know, and, and like someone would come and set everything up. And then, you know, like it was a custom deluxe LA type fucking thing. I bet you they, didn't, know, they, didn't, do do, any, they didn't do that in New York. I bet you they didn't do any cocaine during that time either. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, they had all that extra time. Right. I'm sure they spent it studying. They <laughs> just in, like rolled up $100 bills. Exactly. <laughs> At the very least, it was nothing, none of that. Going Some of the greatest but, uh, oh, it's amazing. I I was lucky enough to get tickets to see Steely Dan at the Chicago Theater in one of those like sweet ass boxes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I've oh. been there. and they were doing full re- for entire records, and there was like three they played three different nights and there was three records which is just so oh, oh i know i remember that yeah. to me which and it's so cool um but i went and saw asia which is my favorite record not to get off subject yeah. but we're talking about dan and wayne shorter on there dude they're i mean the the musicians they hired are just ridiculous the backing vocals unbelievable but to see that played in front of me live was just mind-blowing i mean mind-blowing it was they're an amazing yeah. band an amazing band yeah amazing they're they're one that guys. i would i would truly love to see i have like a really like love hate relationship with steely dan which i think a lot of people sure. do or at least like people who come hate. to it late like late um and love i think it's late. one of those i think it's one of those uh you have to just like warm up to them a totally. little bit you know like it they're they're like a slow introduction it kind is. of band, it's like a, a slow like a fish, or you know, yeah. You have to sort of like it's an acquired to, taste. It is an acquired taste, and it's uh, like I, urban. I worked I worked go. for uh I worked for a chef who was an old like a fish head chef, and we would spend a lot of time together, like just in the mornings with just us, because there was no fish or steely dan allowed 
like played during the rest of the day. Oh, except when like it was just the two of us hanging right, out. Right. So like a lot of Steely Dan was played, and that was where like I really like learned to sort of love them and appreciate just from like it's an amazing body. I mean, music, they kind really. of they yeah, and they they're they shred. Oh, like, they do. Oh, like, absolutely. There's just no doubt. Incredible musicians. Skunk Baxter shreds, and then Walter's got his moments too. Totally. He can play. Really... He played too. When I saw him live, he was it was spots. You know, obviously, little spots that. Um, but it was he ripped. Yeah. And the guy he hires, the guy he hires, absolutely rips. You know what I'm saying? It's. Right. It was pretty cool. Walter's no longer with us. Right. Yes, you're right. The late Walter yeah. Becker. Um, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Still, but, uh, yeah, go I ahead. was just going to say, like, my, probably my introduction, and I remember, I swear, you were one of the players, Drew, and this is when we were all going to see Fish and stuff like that, people talking about Steely Dan. Jay Cooey was another one that just kind of drilled it into me and it caught me maybe i shouldn't have said his last name do you remember um do you remember percy hill i'll bleep it out right dude and and that's something i was gonna mention like if they always sounded like absolutely that that they made the whole reason it was so good is because it was like steely dan was coming out and like steely dan right like Right, you know, and color and blue, color and blue. Check it out, yeah. It's like the greatest jam band album ever made. There's no other. It's that and nothing else for jam band albums, studio albums. It's pretty great. Um, But it's Percy Hill is the name of the band, and it's called Color in Blue. Yeah, Um, one version of that album, and you know the thing about. Well, Are you sure about that? I, That's the best jam band I, I album ever. Yeah, <laughs> the best. What else? Studio. Best studio, studio album. What else? I know. You got? I'm like trying to like. Uh, I don't uh, have to come up uh, with anything now. I don't have no, to come up with don't. anything now. Yeah, it's just it's, a bold statement. I'm, it's That's all. It it's trust me. It's that no, prolific. It's, it's that prolific. I've given it. No, I'm not going to trust you, but if you want to say it, that's cool. <laughs> episode. There we go. Episode I think, challenge. I think we have we'll it. See yeah, it coming. Throwing the gauntlet down. Um, but. No, no. But. I'm just really, asking. Yeah, it's that good. I just, I, I can't tell you enough. Um, I, I, do, in fact, I should, we should do an episode. Kevin stands with this, and we each have to bring a different album that challenges best jam band ever. Best jam band studio. <laughs> I don't album. know if I can. That'll totally I hit I all of them. Because I have a soft spot. <laughs> oh, you're the same. I have okay. a soft spot in my heart for Percy Hill, Color and Bloom. It is in. Maybe all album. of us. Maybe it'll just be all of us coming back to that one album. Right. No doubt. You guys are going to be like, God damn, that album's yeah, I, I wasn't playing it out in my head. I was just asking, you know. Uh, Sorry. Uh, no. we're, all, we're all about playing. So, wow. We we went out there. But anyways, Steely Dan, Countdown to Ecstasy. Amazing. And my birth year. So, I, it's like Bodhisattva. That's obviously a song on there that you know. Oh, 
I'd right. say if you don't like Bodhisattva, then you're not going to like don't Steely worry about Dan. Steely Dan. Right. No, you're not I disagree because I don't like Bodhisattva, I but I like that. a lot did of you, Steely did, Dan. Did any of you listen to the intro to the Citizen I'll Steely Dan Bodhisattva, it. which is the oh my I've god, I've heard that before. Like, yeah, um, oh, it's so brilliant. Right, it gets revved up. <laughs> and they, yeah, they opened yeah, right. all their shows with Bodhisattva. So, um, yeah, it's uh, um, it opens the album up. It's a it tears. <laughs> At least they get it on. I, the I mean, way. I think I got used to that yeah. live one too. So maybe mm-hmm. you know that's what I'm used to. You, you know, that's right. What, and that's the what guitar grabbed me solo shred back yeah. twenty years ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah, Steely absolutely. Dan was one of those bands that I heard on AM radio growing up. Right, Ricky, don't lose that number. Right, AM Gold. Right. AM Gold, and, AM and it gold. just stuck. Like a lot of those bands didn't stick. I didn't totally, really, you know, didn't wasn't an Eagles fan but, past high school, you know, like that sort of thing. But like Steely Dan stuck but with me. The dance. So Did you make it that long? Uh, I saw the reunion tour. You know, um, I sat in the lawn at Alpine. Yeah, the hundred dollar tour. Lawn, I, um, and uh, saw Melissa Etheridge open for Kurt Cobain. Eh. eh. No yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was uh yeah the the good old give something to talk uh, about. Yeah, the good old Eagles reunion. But um, you know, Steely Dan's a fun live band too. I mean, um got to see them at Ravinia uh once or twice. Oh the, yeah, know, that's the, right. They did play the, Ravinia before Walter Beck. Yeah, those right? uh those beautiful nights on the lawn. Um I don't remember where else, but Ravinia is an outdoor Those, venue. Yeah. Those would have been. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, I mean, just such a great, uh, this is such a great album. I'm glad you picked this, Rob. I mean, 73 Absolutely. had a lot, a lot of good choices. Um, it, it was packed. I mean, we were, we had, we had some good yeah, choices. We really did. But I like all four of our choices. Again, Jed, it was a freaking blast to sit and listen to Motorhead on my way home from work today. And it's one of those things you don't literally listen to like a full record of it <laughs> too often. Right. You, know, you don't sit down and listen to a Motorhead. Yeah. Like, and that's one of those. 12 songs. That, yeah. The, and it's like, you know, you do get to that point where you're like, yeah, you, you guys play this. It's a very sim- simple music, but it is. everything has a very different. I don't know. We're at, we're at, yeah. I mean, whereas the, a lot in the lyrics is a, little, is a lot more complicated, but um, it's cool. I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah. I love them. Yeah. Dan is where it's at. I mean, if you want to hear like the nexus of a, uh, you know, rock and jazz, I mean, man, totally. I'd say they were it for about eight, 10 years uh, into the eighties, uh, not to discount the early eighties with Gaucho. Uh, right, pretty awesome album in my opinion. It's a good album. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. You got anything else to say about Rob? Um, check it out. Countdown to Ecstasy. And oh, I wanted to mention one more tune. Sorry, Showbiz Kids. Yeah.
I missed it. I mean, unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You missed Sweet, it. I cannot. I missed it. No, I didn't. Go like, wasn't it? No, I didn't mention it. I'm, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, gotcha. That was so one of the. Good. What was that? Was one of like the main ones, right? Like from this record, like that's what was played. No, I missed this record entirely. Like, what do you mean you missed it? Out, obviously, but um, oh, well, it wasn't showbiz. I think kids, we all like, did. No, yeah, uh, wasn't not that showbiz I know kids. Of. One of the. I don't remember. I thought that was one of the main Boston Rag. Um, not so much. No, Boston Rags my out old there. School. Um, my old school, school. probably yeah. not for. Right yeah. and King those of the were World really the ones. Uh, were the one, yeah. Those were the ones that endured. Yeah, about yeah. four of them. So, Boston Rag being kind of a Your gold minor teeth, one, but really, yeah, but still sometimes there. Maybe. But yeah, that's a pretty damn good. It's tune true. Too. Like they're all, you know, it's a good listen. It's solid. I felt like, you know, like I have their first album, and it, it's pretty, pretty kick ass. And uh, this to me was solidifying more of the '70s Steely Dan style it, it like, was like, yes you're right like this is what we sound right. like this is and, our sound. right right and and they didn't shy away from it at all in this album there's probably four or five songs which are that kind of steely dan sound For sure um which have like you know which the ones that don't have like injected energy into them and whatever what for right. it's a great sound well right. guys you know what i'm gonna go do after this I'm going to go listen to Asia, I think. <laughs> nice. Oh, yeah. Put some headphones on. That's good. So head. I just want to say right now, the saxophone solo on uh, the song Asia is uh, Miles Davis' disciple, Wayne Shorter. Oh, no kidding. And and uh, they had that to, like, great, invite him. That is a great album. They had, uh, like, it's not like, hey, we'll pay you to come. It's like, um, we humbly ask you to please play on our album. That's pretty and, cool. And, we, and Wayne said yes. And they were just like, holy fucking shit wayne shorter's coming to play that's, <laughs> that's awesome so i ended up seeing wayne shorter in champagne one time and it was purely incredible and then i think i seen him saw him at a bar afterwards too wow. i don't know there were extenuating circumstances so in any case uh i think that wraps it up for the music challenge podcast for this evening any last words gentlemen thanks guys Appreciate Thanks for listening. It. Give us high ratings on all of the services. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Show us yes, love. We are still you. listening right now. Please yes. show us love. We said this at the wrong time of the show. <laughs> Subscribe, rate, review. Give us five stars. Give us five stars. Do all the things that help small, small people. We're not even a business, but small people. Like, <laughs> Small people in the world right now are important. None of us over six feet tall, I can guarantee you that. <laughs> sure. I just watch Wizard of Oz on Thanksgiving. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I'm all about short people. Uh, well, that will be edited out. So, uh, pause. In any case, thanks for uh, coming. Thanks, guys. Listening Thank you to all. the Music Challenge podcast. Thanks for coming. And we will see you next time. And goodbye.